it's lovely to be here with Sally, who I haven't known a very long time. We were at the Royal College of Music together, and uh, we might talk a little bit about that at some point. I'm going to ask Sally something about her career, and she's had this amazing career as an opera singer, um, doing so many roles to so many companies to such a high standard. And as you will see, we're going to have some um, video extracts and some recordings to illustrate Sally's great artistry. Um, Sally has been one of those people who's, I, what I think of as a total package as a, as a performer, that she's got this amazing voice, she's a very fine musician, and she's a wonderful actor on stage, and she really does create the character before you and the situation of that character in whatever role she's playing. Um, in addition to her operatic and classical career, she's had a very successful career as a, as a jazz singer. And you, hear, you heard her voice as you came in as we sat down. That was... Um, okay, that, that was Sally. And uh, we're going to hear some more of, of Sally in jazz as well. But I'd like to start, Sally, um, just a little bit about where you're from and, and how you became a, a singer. Well, I was born in South Africa. My parents were Londoners who emigrated to Durban in South Africa after the war and my sister and I were born there. Um, and we, they were a very musical couple, my parents. My mother was a singer, a soprano. She had singing lessons um, because she wanted to be able to sing better at parties. So that says, <laughs> that says something about her, doesn't it? Um, and she got rather good at um, singing and did recitals on the SABC and uh, was in No No Nanette which I knew off by heart. And uh, she also sang Lady Chiang in the, in the first South African production of The King and I. So that was a great um, uh, example that she set, a, a, um, I suppose, a kind of apprenticeship, really. My sister and I enjoyed performing a lot. We did lots of dressing up as little girls and dancing about doing shows and things. And my dad, who was an electrician, um, saw in a house where he was doing some work, a, a couple of boys' um, dad had built them a little theatre in their cellar. And we had a rather nice, if small, attic that you could get into via the garage. So he built us a, a little theatre in our in our attic, which we called the room at the top. And um, we put on shows there and... and had a charity that we uh, that our money went to, which was the Daily News Milk Fund, which was chosen because we wanted to be in the Daily News, which we were. <laughs> so we we kind of had you know the whole package was being was being cooked from yes. <laughs> from then. <laughs> were you singing at this point as a child? Oh Did yeah, yes, sang the, the whole time. Yes. What sort of things? Pop songs? Um, just songs. My parents. Uh, sang a lot of stuff, just popular songs of the time, um, Frank Sinatra kind of stuff. And um, I remember go, my mum taking us... In South Africa, we had lots of visiting companies, tours, um, and a, a company came and did uh, Pirates of Penzance, and I remember <gasps> that poor Wandering One, which I sang for weeks and weeks and weeks <laughs> afterwards around very high... <laughs> <laughs> around the house. But when did you start taking it seriously? I mean, were you um, a teenager when you, when you decided you needed voice lessons? How did that um, Well, we uh, came... My parents decided to come back to England um, in 1966. 
Um, and um, we then our, our musical family started doing lots of amateur um, music. So we did all sorts of amateur theatricals. Um, and so we joined the West Twickham Pantomime Society, which is in Kent. And we did old time music halls as a family. And we did um, a load of pantomimes. And I was Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. And I was Nancy and Oliver at the local boys school and just doing lots of shows and things like that. Um, but people must have noticed, they must have said, that girl's got a voice. Yes. Um, and when I was at school, I remember my headmistress coming around and asking me whilst I was doing my homework in this homework area, um, what did I think I would like to do when I left school? And I really hadn't thought about it. And I thought very hard. And um, I s said, I think I'd like to be an actress. And I surprised myself, really. <laughs> I didn't... I didn't really know what I'd say, and it was quite a revelation to me that I, I, I didn't say I'd like to be a singer. Anyway, she said, well, you are rather good at singing, so why don't you go, <laughs> why don't you go to a college of music? So that's what I did. And you, um, were you having singing lessons privately at this point? No, I wasn't. My mother... Um, Something I wanted to say was, uh, when we were in South Africa, my teacher, when I finally did get to the RCM, who was Marion Studholm, um, came and sang in Durban. And um, unbeknownst to me as a little girl, I, I went and heard her singing. <laughs> that was rather a nice full circle. Um, uh, when uh, we came to England, my parents had a friend um, who... Uh, ran the Aston nightclub. And um, he said, well, why doesn't Sally come along and, and learn how to mm. be an entertainer? So I didn't tell my school that I was doing this because I thought it wouldn't go down very well and they'd probably not let me do it. I don't know why I thought that. But I, I would go up on a Thursday, I remember, once a week to the Aston nightclub um, near Green Park in Berkeley Square and practice with this practice musician who was a, an elderly lady and she just let me loose the microphone and gave me a whole load of songs to learn um and I just loved it and I'd go into this dive it was a terribly <laughs> filthy place stinking of smoke because there wasn't smoke at the time but it was you know the lights were not on so yeah. this kind of thing that was a wonderful glitzy nightclub place was just looked terrible, but I didn't care. So I'd just swan about on the stage and she'd tell me how to use the mic and yeah. what to do with the music. And one day my dad came to pick me up from there um, and uh, she said, do you know, Sally can do something much better than this. I, I really think she, you should send her somewhere to have her voice trained and do it properly. So that my parents then gave me permission to do that, I guess. Mm. So then I auditioned. Um, I still didn't have singing lessons, or, you know, classical singing lessons. Um, uh, but I, I did have some lessons from Harvey Allen, who was a bass. Um, and, uh, then, and then I think I had six lessons, and then I did this audition, and I got a place. So, and at the RCM, yes. so I went there. And you spent five years altogether. I did, yes. And I think you did two in the opera school, which is a kind of training ground for future opera singers, obviously. How was, yeah. how was that? Did, you, did it teach you a lot about the stage? And 
Yes, it did. Yes, we did all sorts of things. We did um, opera scenes. We did, I remember having to do a play, being given Lady Macbeth, and I thought, right, I'm going to be fantastic at this. I didn't know how to do it at all. And it was, oh my God, how do I be Lady Macbeth? I never found out. Um, (laughs) And I was terrible. So then I, you know, I knew knew what I had to find out how to do. Um, But we did... In the first year, our end of year production was Johnny Skiki, and I was one of those many roles in that. I, don't, I didn't think much to being that. I didn't want to be one of those kind of roles. I wanted to be the main role, <laughs> a big role who had lots of stuff to sing. Um, and then, so that was very nice that they gave me as my parting <coughs> gift um, Adriana Lucouvre in um, that wonderful Chilea opera. Um, which was a fantastic opportunity. Um, but they must have believed in you, because that's a star part, isn't it? So it is, yeah. From it. Quite challenging. Well, it yeah. is. In English, we did it. Yeah. did everything in English, as I remember. Yeah. Um, and um, it had dawned on me in my final year. I remember thinking in the holidays before my final year, I wonder what I'll be doing next year. And I thought, oh, I wonder what I'll be doing next year. Bloody hell, I'm going to be leaving soon. I better do something about it. So I started asking my teacher and any other teacher and any other person I came across, what do I do? What, how, how, what am I going to do? How do I get a career? And so people told me what to do. Contact agents, um, make yourself known, invite people to performances. So I did. Um, and a deputation came from ENO. I'd already done a, um, a stage audition, <clears throat> and um, so they came and watched this Lord Harwood, and I don't know, I think there were five of them, my spies in the audience told me. Um, and then they offered me uh, the cover of Charlotte in Verter. So I would be covering Sarah Walker for two... Um, for two performances at the end of a run, and she was covering Janet Baker. So that was, that was where I wanted to be. It was fantastic. Um, Interesting, of course, um, that's a mezzo role. It is. But at this point, you were, you were still a soprano, weren't you, and for, for, for some time. Mm. Um, tell, tell me how that, the change came, that you decided, in fact, you were, you were going to sing mezzo roles, not soprano. Well, I had a career as a soprano for, for about four or five years. Um, and uh, I sang, well, a whole lot of roles. I sang some in-betweeny roles. Um, Celina, which is really not very high. Um, I was in Jonathan Miller's new production of um, Figaro as Carabino, which is one of those in-betweeny roles, but as a mezzo role. Um, I did a, a big mix of roles, I, but in, included in that was Pamina in um, Magic Flute, Michaela in Carmen, um, the John Copley production, um, and Mimi, um, and I did Mimi also for Opera North, but they got, I remember um, finding it harder and harder to sing that top C, which um, luckily was off stage. And I remember Clive Tim saying to me, you could always get someone in the chorus to sing that for you. And I said, hooray, yes. So I would, I would sort of bow as this person in the wings, this lovely chorus person was singing my top C for me and give her chocolates and things every, every performance. And I thought, mm, I don't think this is the right file for me. I think I need to sing um, 
different repertoire, so had, I did. Had you yourself thought there might be a possibility that your voice was really a mezzo? All the way along, people <coughs> had uh, said, uh, I do, oh, do you think you're a mezzo, do you think you're a soprano? Or, I think you're this, or I think you're that. And in the end, um, I decided that I had to make the decision because I was the one who was doing it. Um, so really, it was irrelevant what anybody else thought, um, what I was and what I should be. Um, and so I, I was really, really lucky to be on contract with English National Opera at that time because um, they supported me. They helped me find uh, a teacher who, uh, in fact, it was Mark Helder, um, suggested I work with Esther Salomon, who was fantastic and taught me a whole new technique. Um, and then Josephine Vesey retired from singing and became... I went to her for some singing lessons and then miraculously she became ENO's um, singing teacher, specialist. Uh, so she came to ENO, so she was there. I had weekly lessons with her um, as she was at all my stage rehearsals. Um, and also working with Philip Thomas, who, who had joined ENO about the same time as me. Philip Thomas, a marvellous Welsh repetitor, coach, um, and I really got on well with him. He could tell me things that I hadn't thought of. That's what was so marvellous about working with him and his insistence on getting, getting what he wanted. He would just go on and on and on and on and on until I got it. And it was wonderful to work with him also because I knew I always had many loads and loads of ideas so I would get into a confused state because I didn't know which idea to do and the ideas didn't join up so working with him was great because we'd decide on what I was aiming at mm. what the goal was and then and I, I created all all my roles with him mm. and I would go off to all sorts of places all around the world mm. and that's what many people do today with him, yeah, crea creating roles, and I'd turn up yes. and with all, a whole bunch of ideas, and yes. mostly people would go, that's great, let's do that. <laughs> I'm going to have a, we're going to have a change of pace now, because we're going to hear and see Sally in one of her most famous roles. I'm just going to, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list, but um, amongst the very many mezzo roles in which Sally has had huge success, we have things like Amneris, um, Atsuchena, Dulcine in Massonet's Don Quixote, um, Barber the Turk, Polynesso in Ariodante, Gluck's Orfeo, Bluebeard's Castle, Judith in Bluebeard's Castle, Fricka in The Ring, uh, Cavanicha in Cachacabana, Dalila, Samson in Dalila. But we're going to hear perhaps your most famous role, Sally, which is Carmen. Uh, we're going to have um, a, the Habanera from, um, it's a New Zealand opera production. Would you just like to introduce it and then we can perhaps see and hear it? Yes, I had a, a, a champion in New Zealand, um, a conductor, who asked me three times to go and work there, um, which was brilliant because we had New Zealand friends who had lived opposite us in London and so we were rather keen to go and visit them <laughs> and uh, having a job at the same time is rather good. Um, and this was the third time and uh, he was a sort of entrepreneur and this was in Auckland in a rugby stadium. Um, so we had wonderful expanses that we could run across and 
yell at each other across. We had microphones, these um, what were called Madonna microphones. Mm. Uh, we rehearsed it for three weeks in a, or maybe four weeks, in a big warehouse. And we, we rehearsed with these mics because we could get entangled with them. You know, these were rather like rutting deer and we'd get kind of hooked together if we, if we did too much snogging in the... <laughs> too much kissing in the production. Um, but it was, it was a really, really fun experience. We did one show to thousands of people in this stadium. And, and it was rather serendipitously, serendipitously filmed by um, somebody. Um, and so, that, so I have this film, which is on YouTube, of it. Um, I'm just going to quote one of my colleagues, not on that performance, but on, on Sally's Carmen. And this is Hugh Canning. He's a very distinguished and extremely experienced critic, and not always a generous one. And he has written that Sally's Carmen was the finest he ever experienced. And I think that's a remarkable tribute, and I think you can see it there, actually. We're going to talk a bit more about opera later on, but I want to just move to another uh, facet of Sally's artist, artistry and career, and that's your interest in jazz. And you've had a remarkable career as a jazz musician, too, um, mostly in collaboration with Neil. Is Neil here? Neil Thornton? Sally's mm. husband? No, he's not, he's not made it. But anyway, he's a remarkable jazz pianist, composer, and arranger, and has his own band, I believe, or did have. Um, how, did, how did the jazz begin with you, Sally? Well, I guess my, my dad was from um, a family of, of musicians, and his brothers during the war were in London uh, playing in jazz bands. Um, and my dad played the saxophone <clears throat> not very well. But um, he had a great interest in, in uh, music, jazz music. So I heard a lot of um, jazz. Um, and when I m met and uh, married Neil, um, Neil started off as a tenor uh, singer. We, met, we were singers together. And um, he had a, an enormous uh, interest in jazz, which had started when he was at university. Um, and so he started to play more and more and more. Um, and we started doing a little bit of stuff together, just in a playful way, really. When, when um, John Yap, who, was, who is a, a record producer, um, did a recording of Eno Office in the Underworld, in which I was public opinion. And when we were recording that, um, he just got chatting to me uh, in one of the breaks and said, what else do you do? What other kind of music do you do? Tell me, tell me some more about yourself. So I said, oh, well, well we, I've just been doing a bit of stuff with some jazz with Neil, my husband. And he said, would you like to make a jazz record? <laughs> so I said, I thought, what am I going to say? So I said, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> I remember running home to Neil and saying, he's asked me if I'd like to do a jazz record. What do you think? <laughs> So he said, well, I guess we can get ourselves some gigs and work up, work up something. So it really just happened like that, out of the blue. So then we got a, a whole bunch of... Neil got some gigs for me. We did Pizza on the Park, and, um, which was at... We've just been talking about that earlier, which was at Hyde Park Corner. Yeah. We did a gig at Pizza Express and various other places um, and worked up um, a programme of songs that we then recorded for John Yap, 
um, which was which was called Sally Burgess Sings Jazz, and it was just such a wonderful experience. And you know what a, what an offer <laughs> to just say that out of the blue. So um, and it started it started a, a whole other thing. Um, and people, when I sang oratorios or uh, concerts around um, the UK, people would often say to me, would you like to come and do a recital? And I didn't really have recital repertoire, and I wasn't that interested in doing uh, recital stuff. And so I would say, well, I could do, but I, I also do jazz, and I wonder if you'd like that. And people would always say, yes, right, we'll have that. So that, that started... Um, that other side of what I do. I'm gonna, we're going to play something in a minute, but I just want to ask a very quick question, because quite a lot of opera singers attempt jazz, and not all of them succeed, I think it's fair to say. Um, somehow or other, you can move between these styles. I mean, you, you've got many styles within the classical world, but when you, when you sing jazz, it seems absolutely natural and fluent. How do you manage to do that? Well, I don't really know, but I think it's like singing any style. There's... Wagner is a style, Debussy is a style, Janacek's a style. So there are different sound worlds and different ways of using uh, melody, different ways of using the voice. And really, mm, I guess, ha having, uh, having that in my ear, as you say, there are lots of classical uh, singers, particularly women, um, who, who have sung quite a lot of jazz and light music. Um, I don't know, I guess it's just in my ear. But I did find that using a microphone um, actually fed into the work that I did uh, without a microphone, opera um, and um, oratorio, all sorts of work that I did. I worked also with ballet companies. Um, it, it helped me to sing the classical stuff and the classical stuff helped me to sing the jazz. Stuff. Well, we're going, to, we're going to watch a bit from a prom, actually, now, and it's a Gershwin song, How Long Has This Been Going On? I think it's arranged by Neil and James Holmes, who was uh, music director of Opera North, wasn't he, yeah. for a long time, and it's Paul Daniel conducting this, who was music director at Opera North and then came to Eno. Anyway, yes. This is it, the Gershwin song. We're not going to have time today to play all of the, the things that you can find on YouTube with Sally, but there's some wonderful, wonderful things, so I, I do recommend that you have a look. Um, but back to opera a little bit now, Sally. Um, you've done so many roles, and you've worked with many distinguished directors and conductors and many other singers, including at Eno, but also very widely. You've performed at the Met, you've performed at many European opera houses. Um, tell us something of the life of an opera singer and how you create your work, your roles. Um, well... I guess um, somebody once said to me when I was doing Friday night is music night, just be nice to everybody because all those people you meet on the way up, you meet them all again on the way down. <laughs> and you do. <laughs> um, and so really all, a whole bunch of people that I met at English National Opera um, took me around the world with them. As long as, as well as some people who, who are, you know, <laughs> I hadn't met it, you know. But um, David Poutney, um, 
asked me if I would go and audition at the Met. The Met doesn't take on anybody unless they go and sing in that huge house. You have to, everybody has to go and audition. Um, and would I go and audition for Philip Glass's opera, The Voyage? And so I did. And I sang some Carmen in my audition. Um, and so they booked me to do Carmen, which was wonderful. Um, and the voyage. <laughs> um, and then I, I went back also to do uh, a wonderful production of The Merry Widow, where I shared the, the role of The Merry Widow with Susan Graham. Um, so that, that was how that happened, and that was through um, David Pountney, who directed The, the, the Voyage. Um, Keith Warner took me to uh, uh, the west coast of America. He asked me if I would do his production of Carmen in Portland, Oregon. Um, David Alden, who I absolutely adore working with, um, and did um, Bluebeard's Castle uh, at Eno, which was one of the highlights of my of my career. It was just fantastic experience. Um, I was in his Ariadante. I sang Polinesso. Um, uh, he took me to Houston um, to do it there, um, and so there is this just network of people who who knew what I did, and um, and I guess my that's how careers happen by people liking what you do and asking you to do some more. Mm. Uh, we're going to see a scene now from um, the Coronation of Popea which I think you did with the Welsh, is that right? Yes, it was David was Alden's David production Alden. again. Um, mm. Can you just introduce this item? It's Octavia's scene, isn't it, towards the end? Yes, I remember when uh, I did quite a lot of Monteverdi at ENO with David Freeman, who, was a, who ran a, a thing called Opera Factory, and he worked a lot at, at ENO. Um, uh, and... Uh, then I was asked to do this Monteverdi um, coronation of Popea, and it's a very, very thin score. You know, there's not much written down. It's the vocal line and a bass line, and then sort of some numbers and figures and stuff. And I remember thinking, mm, this might just be a bit tedious. Anyway, well, when we got there, it was such a laugh. They'd, they'd <laughs> created this amazing production that had already been done in Munich. It was David Alden and his team, and. Uh, he's just such a, um, an inspiring guy to work with, with very strong ideas um, about the, the drama and about uh, uh, strong ideas about the music. Um, and I just adored it. It had loads and loads of humour, not necessarily in my role. There's lots of irony and lots of extreme performing. Um, this was filmed by the BBC and put out over Christmas as a soap opera. That was their idea. And we had Linda Ormiston doing a, doing a chat. So it was done five days uh, uh, through the week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And she would introduce it and tell us what was happening in the story so far. She's... <laughs> This is and a farewell to Rome, isn't this it? Is, yeah, so this you, is you've been banished, is that right? Very serious bit, yes, yes. where she's disgraced and banished and has to leave the horror of leaving Rome and having to go somewhere that she doesn't know and be on her own. Um, I'm going to be open, opening up to questions in a few minutes, but I do want, before I do that, just to ask Sally a couple of things about what you're doing now. Sally, you're doing a lot of teaching and some coaching and mentoring and all sorts of things. Would you like to just tell us about that? 
Yes, I'm, I'm <clears throat> teaching at the Royal College of Music where I studied, one-to-one um, -one singing lessons and uh, mentoring young singers as they learn their craft. Um, I work quite a lot <clears throat> with singers in, um, in groups, uh, performance skills, stagecraft um, uh, sessions, how to relate to other people on the stage, how to think about what you're doing, uh, how to move on the stage. Um, a lot of experimental work, and it it's, can be great fun um, playing. You know, we, we're, people put on plays. They play the piano. They play a role. It's, we're playing in a very sophisticated way um, with music and text and uh, emotions, that, that's it really. And you've recently <laughs> become a board member at Eno, haven't you? I wonder mm. if you could tell us what that involves, because I don't really know what a board of an opera company does. What, what's, what do you have to do to...? Well, I didn't know either. <laughs> um, I, I've been given an induction pack, which I think I'm, I'm the, the virgin pack receiver, um, which has been very helpful indeed. Um, to tell me what what um, is required really of being on a board, um, I guess it's there's there's a lot to be um, invented as one goes along, like anything in life. Um, but I'm I'm very honoured and um, pleased to be able to uh, uh, represent my company because I do think of the NO as my my company, it's my home company, um, where I started my career and I w have worked throughout, throughout my life. Um, we are 12 people, I think, on this board, um, and uh, there are subcommittees, so I'm also on an artistic board committee which um, discusses artistic matters and, and listens to ideas that the artistic team are bringing um, giving our opinion, which is valued. Sometimes we're, we're asked, what do you think of this idea? In fact, I think we're always asked um, to give our, to give feedback, um, to guide, to say things that may not be known, to, to give opinions and just to um, help be, be an ear and be a voice to help um, with issues that need to be solved, to keep to budgets which have been set. Um, artistic people always could do with a couple of quid more. And um, we mostly have to say, I'm sorry, there isn't any more. <laughs> be imaginative, be innovative. Um, and um, theatre people are, that's the task. That's our job, to be imaginative and creative and find ways of making magic with... Uh, that doesn't cost a fortune. Doesn't well, that sounds very valuable. I'm glad you're doing that job. <laughs> I couldn't think of anybody better. Can we have some questions now from the audience? Anybody would like to ask Sally something about her career or what she's doing now? Anyone? Yes, the lady there in the front row. What's your advice to young singers who are just leaving college? So they've done all their training. You know, Um, be open, be 
you know, there's a whole load of things that uh, people who are successful um, have innately, I guess, but also can be learnt. We need um, IQ and EQ, so we need an intelligence quota, we need an in emotional quota, quotient. Um, very important that there's a balance there. Um, people need to work hard. Um, you know, I think I, I could adopt. Um, the harder I worked, the luckier I became. <laughs> um, which I think Gary Player, the famous golfer, uh, said once. Um, working hard, yeah. Uh, being colleague, being a good colleague, very valuable. Um, you're not indispensable. Just having, I guess there are lots of buckets in any career and there needs to be some water in all the buckets. Some maybe have that much water and some have that, but there needs to be water in all the buckets. Courage, um, being an extrovert on the stage, having a brain of ice and a heart of fire might be something. That's wonderful advice. Mm. Anybody else? Yes, gentleman there. <coughs> You talked about your role as teaching stagecraft, helping people to perform. I'm interested in uh, the pressures which people are under in performance and the, the impact they have on their lives. Were you taught stagecraft or did it come naturally to you? Was it available in those days or was this a new approach to dealing well, with young people? Yeah, thank you for your question. Um, it really, you learn by doing it and getting feedback that encourages you to carry on feedback that doesn't stop, stop you in your tracks. Um, so yes, there are of course better ways of performing uh, and, and less good ways of performing. Um, but yes, I, I did, by, I was taught, I was taught by a wonderful guy who's now back in Australia called Joe Sorbello at the RCM. He was the, do you remember him? Yes, I do. Uh, he got us, uh, doing all sorts of experimental, uh, at the time we thought was totally bonkers and wonderful, um, improvising really. So improvising and learning by making mistakes and finding out, finding out stuff. Um, so I think, the, yeah, there is enormous pressure on, on artists, young artists to deliver. Um, Do you think it's got harder over the years? Is it harder now than it was? I don't know, maybe. I mean, I was in a very fortunate, fortunate position to have a three-year contract as my first uh, working uh, at ENO. And when I thought, oh dear, I think I've blown it, or oh, that wasn't very good, I think, oh, well, I've got a three-year contract. They, they must like me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and I do remember thinking that. So being a young artist uh, with a company, there's a... There's a um, a support system there, so it is a fantastic uh, system too, and I'm really pleased that ENO has this thriving young artist program, um, um, which which is you know brilliant, helping helping singers uh, create their craft. Anybody else? Any other questions? Yes. Sir. <laughs> This is Harry, you may know, who's the, the, uh, the chairman of the board, who's, who's our, looks after us all. He's our shepherd. Um, no, I, I, I had no idea. No, I had no idea what was going to happen. <laughs> it's very complicated. It's complicated. I concentrate a lot. 
in the board meetings and listen. Um, but you're um, the only singer there, is that I right? I am, yes. Um, so I can bring all sorts of things that the rest of the board don't know. And you can sing at them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. If all else fails. Anybody else? <laughs> Anthony. Thank you. you um well i guess yes i i i guess neil my husband is the one who puts on the music at home so that's what we've always listened to and i've enjoyed it tremendously so yes i have had that and i think as a child um you know i that was my apprenticeship of course for, for life and i i did have a lot of that music just going on around me um as i grew up um, and I did, yeah, I did listen. I remember listening, and I remember also writing out uh, riffs or, or writing out. I remember note for note um, writing out one of Billie Holiday's um, songs, and and you know keep stopping the the cassette tape in those days, and and writing it all out, which is is what young jazzers. Our son now is a is a jazz bass player. And that's what part of his task at music college was, um, transcribing and then copying. And then you, then you get ideas, you learn how to do riffs and learn how to do playing around with your voice in that style. That's fantastic. Mm. Mm. Lady there, I think you had a question, didn't you? Of all the, of all the opera roles that you sang, which was your favourite? Well, it was usually the one that I was singing at the time. <laughs> but really, many highlights. Carmen, I absolutely loved doing. Um, Judith in Bluebeard's Castle, I absolutely adored doing uh, Dido in The Trojans. I just did it once at Opera North. Dalila, I loved. I just did that once in France. Um, uh, Herodias in Zalome, oh, what a role. It was fantastic. Not much to sing. But lots of um, lots of music to perform next to, with. Um, did you find your interpretations changed and developed over a period? I mean, something like Carmen, which you did a lot, was it different? Did it did it grow over the years? It did grow, yes, in different and in different productions with different performers. Um, I think when I first did it, which was with David Pountney at ENO and Mark Elder conducting. Um, I had flamenco lessons and all, I mean, I had such a bath in all of that, in all of the ways of discovering that character and that role and such a, a wonderful rehearsal period that um, that was always the basis of what I did from then on because I, I think I... I spent about a year working on the role and I went and saw Maria Ewing doing it at Glyndebourne, uh, Agnes Balzer doing it at Comte Garden and you know, various other people doing it in Europe. I went to hear a lot of people and see a lot of people doing the role and 
and going, mm, that's nice, I'll have that. And nah, that, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to do that. They're pinch, pinching people's ideas, but, you know, there's nothing new in the world. Ideas go round and round and round. Um, so it's always the basis of mm. what, my, what I took with me. Mm. Yes, anyone else?
Well, long may it continue to do so. Um, shall we take one, one or two more, if there are any, then I think we ought to stop. But uh, anybody else like to talk to Sally about any aspect of her career? Yes, lady there. Um, I just wondered, when the time comes, when you've had the most marvellous career and experiences, when the time comes to think, well, it's time now to move on, to go up, how uh, does an opera singer know about that and how painful is it? Um, yes, thank you. Um, well, one does get older, or even old. Um, the body changes. Um, I've got rheumatoid arthritis, which um, my, is a sort of hereditary thing, um, uh, for which I take quite a lot of medication. Um, and I found that that medication uh, affected my voice. Um, so I was sort of messing about with that over a number of years um, and not being able to move unless I took medication. Um, and so in the end, you know, with all that, all that going on, I, I don't know, I just thought I, I'm not singing. I didn't quite know what was going to come out of my mouth. Um, I didn't know, it didn't, it wasn't a pleasurable experience uh, anymore. The, the performing, it's all, all my career, I've just had the most, you know, just so enjoyed performing, a wonderful cathartic experience. And that was st starting to turn into something that wasn't, that was a bit frightening because I didn't know um, my voice, uh, my, the medication, a lot of medication dries up uh, mucous membranes and the, that's what's going on in your throat. You need nice juicy vocal folds that that move nicely together. Um, and so I just thought, yeah, I think I've had enough of this now. I'm not enjoying it anymore. Um, and it was painful. Um, and, um, but I, I think over, over about three years, it became, just became not such a pleasure. Um, and so I started to teach and found out that that was a whole other ball game as, as well, because doing it is not nothing to do with teaching it. You know, when you do it, you're, it's very based on, on what you personally do, and that doesn't apply to anybody else. Um, and so I've had quite an adventure learning about teaching, how to draw from individuals what's their special thing, find out what they've got to offer, not what I've got to offer. Um, and so that's been a whole wonderful um, exploration, doing that. Yes, yes. And all the stuff that I know about um, is relevant. Um, but actually what's more relevant is what the artist in front of you brings. That's what, that's what one needs to do and bring out their unique qualities and their, what they've got what they've got to, to sell. Mm. Sorry? Yes, yes. Well, that's fantastic. Mm. Sally, you've given us, over the years, so many unforgettable experiences. And I speak as a, as a long-term audience member here, and fantastic <coughs> performances um, of opera. And we found out more, I found out more, about your, your work in jazz, which is, I think, really classy. 
And um, I'm thinking about the musicals which you should have done as well as the one you did. But it's been lovely to talk to you and thank you so much for being here. Thank you and thank you.